Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Reluctant Historian. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. I am your host, Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian. I am Dakota Lawson. On this podcast, I'll tell him a story from history, and he'll share his unapologetic thoughts and opinions. So, if you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this so podcast, you sounded like... This podcast is for you. I was just trying something new, seeing what happens. <laughs> yeah, I can uh, tell you before the audience tells you, it didn't work. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, on today's episode, it's a sort of suggestion from my friend Heidi... Okay. Uh, so she and I taught together way back in the day, mm-hmm. um, and we also went to China together. Okay. Wh- why do you say sort of suggestion? Well, let me tell you. So she requested that uh, we do an episode on the Cultural Revolution and Chairman Mao. <laughs> that sounds really boring. I'm sorry, Heidi. <laughs> it's it's actually very interesting. <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> However, so I started researching it, and I was like, and you're oh, like, wait. wow, it is really boring. No, I was like, this is really convoluted and confusing, and like actual historians who make it their job to study it aren't a hundred percent sure mm-hmm. on what happened and the, you know, it's it's kind of lost because of the communism and Mao, right. and it's very convoluted. So I was like, uh, feels. Like, I'd have to probably give it a couple months of researching. Yeah, and that's a lot of effort for something that I'm going to shit on. That's true. So That's true. So so what are we doing then? <laughs> yeah, so instead, we uh, when Heidi and I went to China together, we went to this place called Xian, uh, and we saw these things called the Terracotta Warriors. Like, like the uh, System of Down song. <gasps> terracotta, terracotta, boy. That, you know that song, right? It's a classic. Yeah classic okay Um, terracotta warriors (laughs) yeah so they are uh warriors that are supposed to protect this guy the terracotta pie named emperor chin shi huangdi um so that's who we're going to be talking about his life the first emperor of china emperor chin shi huangdi do you think wait does heidi listen to this she does yeah also yeah she Do you think just... that she will think this is a cop out because you're not actually doing what you s- she said? <laughs> um, well, I hope that she forgives me and knows that I tried, but that Don't worry, Heidi. I'll be your voice here and tell Liz that this is a cop out and I'm very unhappy with you. <laughs> also, guys, if you have um young children in your lives, you should check out her uh, store. It's called Tea and Me Apparel. She is an excellent seamstress. She creates custom clothes for children that are called Grow With Me clothes. Oh, cool. Yeah, so... That's awesome. Look at her on Instagram. That was awkward. What, what is that? Tea and Me? Tea and Me. Spelled out like T... The letter T. Letter T. And I think and, it's an ampersand. That, okay. Like that and symbol. And me.com? I don't know if there's a website. I know she's on Instagram. Okay, well, check her out on Instagram. Yes. Tea and Me. Yes. So sit down, buckle up, and get ready to listen to the history of Emperor Qingxi Huangdi. 
would like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement in recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. So, Dakota, what is your golden nugget? We went to a restaurant No, that's mine! Keep going. Well, too fucking bad. (laughs) This is a shared golden nugget. Let's just talk about it then, okay? okay? We went to have dim sum this morning how appropriate that we're talking about a chinese emperor that's true it was also it was almost like it's like serendipitous well you win some you dim some you made that joke already not to the audience (laughs) it's a great joke anyways uh so yeah we went to dim sum this morning with my sister her lovely boyfriend and our daughter and i'd never had dim sum before you were very much telling me i was not going to enjoy it Mm mm-hmm and there's a lot of stuff that I would not have enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But we had some good, I don't know. You, I don't even know how to describe liked, the food. You tell You liked what we the ate. pork stuff. Yeah. And the, the chicken stuff, stuff. Yeah. I had a, we had a thing with crab in it. And it, that was like, it was not crab. I know. It was, like, it was good. But in my head, like I can't eat anything, fish or anything. It's not a, you know, allergy or anything. I'm just a freaking baby. Yes. And I hate the stuff. Yes. But. Uh, fish he hates fish yeah it it was the mind in my head that i knew i was eating crab even if it is knockoff crab or whatever it was still gross in my head so i couldn't bring myself to finish it even though it was pretty good and you ate all the crab part you get the part that you gave to me was just the fried bread i gave you half no you would literally the part you gave me was just the fried part well listeners i i guess you now know that my wife is full of shit because I gave her half. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> so, what was your favorite? Well, so I was really excited because literally on Friday night, I was thinking about what I should eat. I usually treat myself on Friday. I get some sort of little treat because I don't like cooking on Friday nights. And Dakota usually doesn't, or usually is at work. So I don't want to cook just for myself. And I was looking at their menu and I was like, oh, I should order something because I really love them. They're really delicious. Classic um, Saskatoonian restaurant like it's a famous one here oh is it yeah and uh yeah i was just like i didn't think it would really like travel well so i was like oh yeah i don't know if it would (laughs) have no and then i was really sad because dakota doesn't really like to eat outside of his normal eating foods um he doesn't try new things i shouldn't say like that you just don't you're a picky eater i'm a picky eater i tried i tried the crab thing you do try new things yeah so it's like it's not that you're not willing to try well sometimes you're not because i try to convince you anyways it's a 50 50 (laughs) yes um and i did promise you in our vows that i would never make you eat fish or eggs so that's true i'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here but anyways moral of the story is i was i was sad on friday night because i was like oh we'll never get to go there with dakota and then we went there and it was great (laughs) yeah my sister invited us and uh yeah, it was it was quite good. I, um, what what did I have? There was a a pineapple bun. No, 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 the coconut bun. The coconut bun was really good. The yeah. pineapple bun was pretty decent. Yeah, but the coconut bun, holy shit, that's like next level shit. Yeah, I really liked the pork seared dumplings because, um, well, coincidentally, when I was in China, we had some dumplings like that when we were in Beijing, mm. and. Just eating them, I'm like, oh, yeah, this tastes like what I ate in China. So yeah. I really enjoyed that. Cool. Well, also, Teresa, I don't think she noticed, and she'll hear this eventually, is that uh, she tried to get me to drink the tea. 
and you didn't. Have, I didn't even take a sip of it. What about boy? Tea grosses me out. There's, I've got two. You already know the one of them, which is that in Thailand, I got a massage and they gave me uh, tea mm-hmm. uh, after the massage. Wanted to be polite. Tasted like what I imagine a burnt cigarette would taste mm-hmm. like. It was gross. Mm-hmm. And then the second time was me and my sister Mackenzie. We wanted to try to be fancy, so we made some tea, and then we we're like. Oh, that tastes like shit. What did you put in the tea? Nothing yet. And then we added. What like, tea did you make? I don't know. Mom had some like blueberry or mixed well, berry yeah, tea or something. Your, no, no, no. Don't start with me. Any tea I've had is gross. So we were like, okay, we'll add some stuff to it. Add some sugar, uh, whatever else, honey stuff. And by the, we ended up adding so much shit <laughs> that it wasn't even what it was, and it was still gross. Mm. So I was like. Huh. I guess tea isn't for us. Guess I'm making you tea tonight. No. Okay. Uh, yeah, so how excited are you for this episode? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I know. When did I, I told you. You said it was gonna, uh, you, that I wasn't gonna like it. <laughs> I know, and I was like, I don't care. So. You, you give me your best episode yet, followed by this. <laughs> so here's the thing. So, I'm a stupid white dude. Mm-hmm. So. I agree. <laughs> yeah so uh for the sake of me being a stupid white dude i'm probably gonna refer to him as chin shi is that the is that how you say it chin shi well actually that's a really great segue because i so the um mandarin language is um oh, i don't know what the, how to explain this it each word can have a different sound. So the vowels have different sounds. They can have like a ah or it's, it's, it's tonal. That's the word I'm mm. looking for. So it's hard for me to even pronounce his name correctly. So what I'd like to do here is play oh, okay. how to pronounce his name. Um, and then just beg forgiveness from our listeners that if I fuck it up, I am trying my hardest, but like Mandarin is super hard to learn because of those tonal inflections and i beg our audience to come with me with pitchforks and let's hunt this witch down hey <laughs> all right so here is how to pronounce his name chin shi huang chin shi wang chin shi huang 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 sounds like uh chin shi huang <laughs> sounds like stewie in family guy when he tries to pronounce cool whip and he overemphasizes the h yeah. It's a uh, Chin Shi Wang. Huang. There's no W. There's absolutely no W. Huang. There's no W in this. It's How's H. it spelled? H U A N G. Where does the Huang part come from? Huang. 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 Sound like a goose. Huang. 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 geese sound. Wow. So last week you're insulting the indigenous language. This week you're insulting Mandarin. Like, what else are we going to? Cancel me. I fucking dare you. <laughs> <laughs> We're not big enough for me to get canceled, so I don't give a shit. Mm, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Qin Shi Huangdi was the founder of the Qing dynasty and China's first emperor. Interestingly, it was only around for 15 years, making it also the shortest major dynasty in Chinese history, uh, and was consistent of only two emperors. Many of the other Chinese dynasties were hundreds of years long. Qin Shi is famed for his army of terracotta warriors that he built to protect him for eternity, but he is also a controversial figure. Some have labeled him as a visionary, while others see him as a tyrant. Qin Shi was born as Prince Zheng in 259 BCE, 
and his father was the king of the Qin state. At the time he was born, China was divided into seven major states, and these states fought each other all the time. This time period is called the Warring States Period. One thing that audience members should note is that when Dakota's bored, he makes no comments whatsoever. I just got no jokes to throw in here. This is just very, very basic, straightforward stuff. Mm. I'm like, okay, <laughs> super. As a prince, Zhang was well-educated. He learned about China's history and also about war. He would someday rule the Qin and would lead his warriors into battle against other states. When Zhang was 13 years old, his father died, meaning that Zhang became the king at a very young age. By the time he was 22, he took full control. He was a very ambitious man who wanted to conquer the other Chinese states and unite China under one rule. Which brings us to 2021 BCE, when he was able to complete his conquest of the various kingdoms in China. The first state he conquered was the Han state, then he conquered the Zhao and Wei, then he took the powerful Chu state. Once the Chu were defeated, the remaining Yang and Qi states fell easily. Did he... Okay, uh, so he did the Chu state. Mm-hmm. Did he say, I choose you, as he killed them all? Yep. Okay, and the one before that, what was that one? Zhao and Wei. Wait, no way. That's all I got. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> then, rather than keep the title of king, he declared himself emperor, which hmm. was... Never Sounds very tyrannical. <laughs> yeah, which was never a thing before. Uh, and changed his name to Qin Shi Huangdi. By doing so, he also claimed the mandate of heaven. Wait, uh, here's a, here's something. Okay, so I want to, if I ever rose to power, you know, I mean, this podcast is delivering me there, you know, as like, say I was prime minister or something like that. And they'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, Dakota, you are prime minister now. You don't know, you don't know any French, but like, that's okay. <laughs> uh, and I'll be like, okay, I don't want to be called prime minister, though. I want to be called the captain. Yeah, that's essentially what this man did. I am the captain now. (laughs) That's what I will say. Perfect. I can't wait for you to become prime minister. Thank you. (laughs) The new title was inspired by the divine rulers of Chinese mythology. To break it down, Qin was for his home state. Xi, meaning first, uh, proclaimed the establishment of both an empire and a dynasty. Huang, meaning August, after the name of three mythical kings and D, meaning divine ruler after the five sage emperors that followed those kings according to Chinese legend. So his name meant had, like, very important meaning. With unbounded confidence, he claimed that his dynasty would last 10,000 generations, which we know was not true. However, the title of emperor would continue to be the title borne by Chinese rulers for the next two millennia. Oh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder why, I wonder why they didn't change it back. To king? Yeah, they just were like, ah, Emperor has a better ring to it. I think or... so, and it also had, like, um, like kind of, like, some religious and mythological connotations with it. But wasn't this guy, I mean, we'll get into it, but, like, kind of, you know, as he was seen as a, by many, a tyrannical leader, wouldn't you want to get away from that, then? Name Emperor? Well, I think... I guess King isn't, like, great either, but... Yeah. Um... I, th- I prefer Captain, personally. <laughs> I don't know. So, fun fact, I could have gone into the whole meaning of Emperor and why oh, it was thank important, God you but didn't. I knew you wouldn't be into it, and yet you're asking me the question, so... Yeah. So I don't have an answer for you, because I didn't research it. That's okay. So, Qing Shi Huangdi was not a lovely human being. While he was a skilled leader, he was also a tyrant. After becoming emperor, he began to mold his diverse territories into a single Chinese empire, obedient to his will. He divided the lands into 36 command areas, 
Each was supervised by a governor, a military commander, and an imperial inspector, all of whom reported to him. He forcefully relocated hundreds of thousands of influential families from their home provinces to the capital, Xiangyang, where he would be able to keep a close eye on them. He also, though, issued orders for almost universal standardization, from weights, measures, and even the axle lengths of carts so that they could fit within the ruts of China's roads. He also developed an extensive network of roads and canals connecting the states to improve trade between them. Weapons were confiscated and melted down, and a new imperial currency was issued. The emperor also ordered Chinese writing to be made uniform, so that all the words with the same meaning in the country's different languages would be represented by the same characters. Strict laws and severe punishments meant that the new emperor had a ready supply of convict labor to use to create his ambitious building projects. The new roads and canals were part of those building projects. As well, fortresses were erected for defense and were linked together to create the precursor to today's Great Wall. Now, listeners, you think that I would stoop to the level of making a boner joke because she said the word erect. But I'm not going to go to that, that level. I'm more mature than that. Carry on. This whole line of defenses, which was also made up of 44 walled district cities, stretched over 3,000 miles and was built to create a single defense system against the nomadic tribes from the north and the south. So think of Mulan. Ooh, that's a good movie. The emperor also had hundreds of luxurious palaces built in the capital to house his concubines, children, and servants. Qing Shi Huangdi brutally suppressed dissent. Some accounts say that 460 scholars were rounded up and buried alive. Oh, God. Because of the texts that they owned. It's just like the Ryan Reynolds movie, Buried. That's exactly this. But with 460 people because of the books that they owned. That's wild. What a dink. What a dink. These texts had been used to criticize... Sorry, sorry. Wait, wait. I'm more like Shang-Chi Dink instead of Wang. Ah, Shang-Chi is, I'm pretty sure... Chin Shi, I meant. Yeah, is Shi <laughs> the guy from Marvel? It is. It yeah. is. I have his name, Chin Shi written down, and I did not read it. So <laughs> continue. So these were books that had been used to criticize the government and were subsequently confiscated and burned. Books that were not destroyed were books on astrology, agriculture, medicine, divination, and the history of the Chin state. Citizens of all ranks were encouraged to inform on one another, and those who were convicted of crimes were executed mutilated, or put to hard labor. While the previous Warring States era was one of constant warfare, it was also considered a golden age of free thought. Qin Shi Huangdi put an end to that by eliminating the hundred schools of thoughts, which included Confucianism and other philosophies. His harsh reign followed the philosophy of legalism, which was based on the idea that people are more inclined to do wrong than to do right because they are motivated by self-interest. Do you agree with him? Yes, absolutely. That's why we have so many shithead money-grabbing fucks in power. Mm. <laughs> you know, there's uh, people are motivated to step on other people to get, you know, their way. I mean, I asked you the question yesterday uh, if you thought I could be a high-level exec. And you I... said sure, but <laughs> you were lying to me. I would fail at that because, one, I don't have the business savvy, but also I just uh, don't like to step on people, you know? Yeah. Not surprisingly, the autocratic emperor was the target of several assassination attempts. 
In his third assassination attempt in 2030 BCE, the state of Qin defeated the state of Han, and as a result, a Han aristocrat swore revenge on the emperor. He sold all his valuables and, in 2018 BCE, hired a strongman assassin. Strongman assassin, you have to chop off Qin Shi's wang. <laughs> the aristocrat built him a heavy metal cone weighing roughly 160 pounds, and the two men hid among some bushes along the emperor's route over a mountain. At a signal, the muscular assassin hurled the cone at the first carriage and shattered it. What? I don't know how that happens. How do you do that? Anyways, however, the emperor was actually in the second carriage, as he was traveling in two identical carriages for this very reason. The attempt failed, and both men were able to escape in spite of a huge manhunt. In 2020 BCE, Qin Shi undertook the first in a series of imperial inspection tours that marked the last 10 years of his reign. The purpose of these tours was to consolidate and organize the empire, but also were due in part to his interest in magic and alchemy and his search for masters in these arts who could provide him with the elixir of immortality. What? He even organized expeditions to the East China Sea in search of the mythical islands of the immortals, with the hope of finding herbs and plants to bring him immortality. He greatly feared death, maybe because of all of his assassination attempts, and was obsessed with living forever, and thus fell prey to many who offered him supposed elixirs. Some of his advisors suggested to him that the herbs of immortality would not work until he could move about without being observed. As a result, he built walkways and passages connecting his palaces so that he could move about in seeming invisibility. <laughs> Ironically, the emperor's attempts to live forever may have contributed to his early death at the age of 49, as some of the elixirs that he drank contained mercury. Oh, shit. That kills you? <laughs> yes. I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's a heavy metal. It's not good for you. Oh, uh, yeah. He well, as we learn in church, heavy metal will kill you. Yes, it is the devil's music. Yes. Which we also learned in um, our episodes about the satanic panic. Yes. <laughs> the last year of Ching Shi Huangdi's life were dominated by an ever-growing distrust of his entourage and at least three assassination attempts, which was one that I already talked about. As a result, he became increasingly isolated from the common people. Almost inaccessible in his huge palaces, the emperor led the life of a semi-divine being. So the emperor had grand plans for his afterlife. In a bid to secure his position as a cosmic ruler, he commissioned an entire kingdom to accompany him to the next world, unlike anything seen before or since. Before his death, he began construction on his tomb, a gigantic mausoleum, which covers 60 square kilometers and more than half a million workers worked there for 38 years, following a detailed plan to replicate the entire known China. And I've been there. This is where I went Ooh. with uh, Heidi. Ooh. Yeah, it's really cool, actually. Sounds cool. It was cool. This is where the famous terracotta warriors can be found. Thousands of life-size figures, including infantrymen, archers, chariots with horses, officials, servants, and even entertainers such as musicians and strongmen. Arrayed in military formation, the soldiers there bear traces of the bright paint that once covered their bodies. Although formed from standardized pieces, with hollow legs and torsos, they were actually finished by hand, so that no two figures looked exactly alike. Cool. These warriors were to guard the inner sanctum of the emperor's tomb, which stands in the center of the complex and is said to house a kingdom of Richards. Riches? Kingdom of Richards? <laughs> Welcome to my kingdom of Richards. They're all dicks. <laughs> there, you finally gave me some material. Thank you. <laughs> as well as to protect the emperor in the afterlife from evil spirits. 
The compound itself has been carved out of a mountain and is shaped in conformity with the symbolic patterns of the cosmos. Now, the main chamber where the emperor's tomb is has never been opened. The Chinese government, on the recommendation of archaeologists working on the site, does not allow it to be opened and examined until they have the technology to safely prevent whatever is inside from being damaged. Also, there's rivers of mercury and crossbows rigged to shoot anyone who tries to break in. Like Indiana Jones. Yes. No one knows exactly what is inside, but we have some idea thanks to historian Sima Qing, who wrote about the tomb. So he was writing about 100 years after the emperor's death. He recounts that the underground palace in which the emperor is housed is larger than a football field, and there is a reproduction of what was known of China at the time, including over a hundred rivers, lakes, and seas, where large amounts of mercury would have been used instead of water to simulate the flow of the rivers. Sima Qin also claims that many officers were buried with the emperor, though it is not clear whether they were alive or dead at the time. Not only that, but a large number of human remains have been found across the rest of the burial site, Every time, burial. Burial site and historical documents record that thousands of officials were killed and thousands of craftsmen were buried alive in order to keep the tomb a secret. The tomb was rediscovered in 1974 and was designated a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1987. In 2011 BCE, a large meteor is said to have fallen on China near the lower reaches of the Yellow River. On it, an unknown person inscribed the words, The first emperor will die. Send nudes. <laughs> the first emperor will die and his land will be divided. When the emperor heard of this, he sent an imperial secretary to investigate the prophecy. No one would confess to the deed, so all the people living nearby were put to death and the stone was pulverized. Oh no. Then in 2010 BCE, on his fifth tour of eastern China, the emperor became seriously ill. He died on September 10th in a place that was a two-month-long journey from his capital city. The cause of his death is largely unknown. Again, some speculate that he died from a Chinese alchemical elixir poisoning due to ingesting mercury pills. Another possible factor was due to the stress of running an empire. The emperor's advisor, Li Tsi, who had accompanied him on the journey, was worried that the news of his death would trigger a general uprising in the empire, and since they were two months away from the capital, they would not get there in time to put a stop to it. Instead, Li Si decided to hide the emperor's death with the help of the emperor's younger son and a few eunuchs. The rest These are guys with no dicks, eh? Yes. Cool. I mean, not. I don't know why I said cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like envious of them. I'm like, oh man, I wonder what that would be like. <laughs> the rest of the imperial entourage was kept in the dark. Li Si ordered that two carts containing rotten fish be carried immediately before and after the wagon of the emperor in order to stop people from noticing the foul smell emanating from the wagon, where his body was starting to severely decompose in the hot summer months. They also pulled down the shade of the wagon so that no one could see his face, changed his clothes daily, brought food, and where he had to have important conversations, they would act as if he wanted them to send a message. (laughs) This is very elaborate. It is. To convince people that he was still alive. Also the rotten wagons. Like, wouldn't they be like, why are we just carting around with, rotting fish yeah (laughs) eventually they made it back to the capital where news of his death was announced fun fact this is a long one oh good (laughs) wait i thought you're gonna say i'll be the judge of that son of a bitch you throw me off my game i'll be the judge of that you the the law when you said this is a long one that one really threw me for a loop continue Qin Shi Huangdi had never written a will and as such the title of emperor was to go to his eldest son fusu (laughs) 
(laughs) However, Li Shi, the head eunuch, and the second son, the one that had been with the emperor when he died, did not like this idea as they believed that if Fusu were to be enthroned, they would lose their power. Instead, Li Si forged a letter from Qin Shi Huangdi saying that Fusu must commit suicide. The plan worked, and the younger son became emperor instead. Wow. I don't... Well, in what reason and why would a father be like, son, you must kill yourself? Yeah. <laughs> and then the son's like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I mean, we don't... I don't think we can fully understand this because we don't have kids yet, you know? That's Maybe fair. they'll really suck. <laughs> Maybe. But, uh, you know, my big takeaway from that is that there is a leader of the eunuchs. Yes. So it's like, I am the grandmaster of the dudes with no dicks. Yep. <laughs> Hear me roar. <laughs> Following his death, revolts quickly erupted, and under the reign of his son, his empire quickly crumbled away. Qin Shi Huang is remembered as an imposing personality who had an unbending will in pursuing his aim of uniting and strengthening the empire, and the endurance of his bureaucratic and administrative structure institutionalized by Qin Shi remained the basis of subsequent dynasties in China. So I just want to reiterate, he's important because he consolidated China and a lot of things that they still have today mm. come from him. Okay. So Koda. What do you think? <laughs> okay, but I just want to preface this by I know and knew that you were not going to enjoy it, and so I didn't write this for you. And you did it anyways. And I wrote it for Heidi. But not really. I mean, you copped out and didn't do what she asked you to, so, like, me and Heidi are furious at you. <laughs> Why are you mad? <laughs> I'm I'm not actually furious. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just trying to stand in solidarity with my homeboy, Heidi. Got it. So... I didn't like this at all. <laughs> I know you're surprised. <laughs> yeah, I also want to preface it by like, I just, it makes me sad because I, re- I just really like learning about stuff. And I, I knew a lot of this because I had been to the World Heritage site and I had learned about him before, but relearning it, and I'm like, that's just so cool. Like he did all these things. Like he's a cool guy. I'm glad you enjoy this. Like, did you have fun researching this? Yes. That just baffles me. Like we're <laughs> we're we're similar in many ways, but that we're never like I know. Well you made us play trivial pursuit, so shut, you shut your goddamn mouth. We don't speak of that episode. <laughs> that should have been an episode where we go where we call it like in like ten years we release the forgotten episode. Right. We shouldn't have released it. <laughs> we had to release something. Yeah, that's true. So I mean, you know, I just thought it was just boring history details you know i uh and and then the other thing is i tried to put cool things in there like about the the suicide and the rotten fish and the people being buried alive and the crossbows i think there was it was so littered with boring details that it kind of just like glazed over me a lot of the times i'm like huh my amiibos up there they're nice my nintendo figures you gotta like pay attention i'm really bad at it though i know so you know, this, people are like, oh, what's your rating? But I'm going to just say that this really lives up to the premise of the reluctant historian in that I hate history. <laughs> yes, we've we've been doing pretty okay. Yeah, like I'm, I, again, I want to reiterate to people that I still do not like history. So, my rating. This may be my worst one yet. Nah, well, I will see. Wait, what's my worst? You gave me a five once. 
this and is then lower you slept than that. On the bed, on the couch that night. <laughs> yeah, you didn't actually, but you should have. This is lower than that. Oh, good. This I give it three. Oh my god! Ch- chin cheese wang <laughs> out of ten. Rude. I did not like this one. <laughs> so rude. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like how I've gotten more comfortable giving me low giving marks? You, yeah. Like just being like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck her. <laughs> She yes. made me listen to 36 minutes of... Uh, well, not 36 minutes, because we spent about 10 minutes talking. What, whatever. 25 minutes about Chin Chi's Wang, you know? So, not your best, definitely your worst. Thank you. You're welcome. Now I'm going to do only boring episodes for you. And then I'm going to quit the podcast. <laughs> no, because you like the fame that comes from it. That's we even true. ran into somebody today that was like, you're an internet celebrity because yeah. of the podcast, so you will never let that You die. probably paid them to say that, so to keep me interested. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review, or tell your friends about us, because indie podcasts really do grow through word of mouth. If you want to stay in contact or see behind-the-scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian or on Facebook under The Reluctant Historian Podcast. You can also shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted to TheReluctantHistorian at gmail.com. So, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. I don't even have a one-liner for this one. That's how much I, I just didn't... I, the only joke I wrote down was Shang Chi's Shin Chi's Wang. <laughs>